Welcome, one and all, to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. Today's edition is a little bit more based around one particular show than usual because I looked at the calendar and realised that the broadcast date was the day before the anniversary of the first transmitted episode of a series that many people have come to know and love. Now, I'm really not sure how many TV shows have people who are quite so aware of the date their show started. Perhaps people do gather around in living rooms on the 5th of January each and every year and toast the anniversary of Steptoe and Son, but it's not something I'm aware of. There may even possibly be gatherings in Port Mirian every September the 29th to mark the arrival of the prisoner into our lives, but I'm not sure. What I do know is that 57 years ago on November the 23rd, 1963, at 5.16pm, less than a day after the assassination of US President John F. Kennedy, a British institution was born. And fans across the world are very much drawn together each year to mark the occasion. So, for once, let's try not to worry about any copyright issues, briefly borrow a far more legitimate timeship than our usual transport, and go and talk to some of the people for whom the television series Doctor Who plays more than a small part in their everyday lives. You've landed in a foggy London street called Totter's Lane. It's November 1963, and right over there, there's a scrapyard. And if you open those gates, a whole world of adventure will await you. The three people we're going to talk to today are Andy Priestner, an old friend of the show who co-hosts the World Enough and Time podcast. After that, we're going to talk to Hayden Gribble, who's one of the co-hosts of the Diddly Dumb podcast, for a bit of contrast. Finally, we're going to talk to Toby Hado, who is uh, he's a Manchester comedian, actor, and a well-known Doctor Who fan, who does a lot of features for DVDs and the like, and was kind enough to uh, allow me a couple of hours of his time. So only a section of the uh, interview today. Uh, we do have a lot more of that in the wings waiting for you, so I hope you'll come back and enjoy other parts of that interview on other dates. Anyway. First up, here's Andy. Hello, Andy. I'm talking to you today, believe it or not. You might not realise I'm talking to you today, but uh, I decided I was going to talk to you today because we've got a little bit of a Doctor Who theme going on, and it is rumoured, it is rumoured that you have got a Doctor Who podcast out in the world. Gosh, Yes. 32 episodes now, which is 30. a shock to me. Yeah, Monthly monthly episodes? It's monthly. It's been monthly-ish since April 2018. Wow. We had a bit of a gap for three right. months, but now it's very strictly monthly. If someone says to me, you've got to do this thing and you've got to do it by this point, I'm very good at following that sort of directive, particularly if it's from a scary younger sister. So <laughs> she was like, well, first of the month, every month. So yeah. I was like, okay. See, I, I only had an older sister, so I was just used to being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> See. Yes. So, 
so this, this is three years of your life now. It is. Not more. Mm. Not more. Yeah. And um, do you enjoy it? Do you actually enjoy it? Uh, yeah, yes, completely. But mm. the purpose of it is quite different to what it seems like. <laughs> okay. Do, do, do you want to go into that? So what, why did you decide you wanted to do a Doctor Who podcast? Because me and my sister just never picked up the phone to talk to each other because we're just horrendously bad at keeping mm-hmm. in touch. And we just, we're just like, oh, we just never ring. And like, we just felt like we had a bad relationship on the phone. We could only mm-hmm. function in person. And when one of you lives in the UK and the other one lives in New Zealand, it's not going to Yeah, I think work. we should sort of clarify that. Yes. You, yes. You, you're, on, you're on basically, you are the northern half of your, uh, what do you want to oh, tell gosh. me what your podcast is called? Well, it's called World Enough and Time. Um, right, so you're because... the Northern Hemisphere representative <laughs> of World Enough and Time. Yes, and it's, it's we've got the world between us, but we right. have got the time just if we hit the right time, no. to hit the morning or the evening to record. Yeah. So there's method in your titling. It's not just, there, oh, there is. that's the name of an episode. That Actually, it has relevance to your, your actual lifestyle. Absolutely, but I, I find that title a bit slightly problematic now because World Enough and Time, the episode, has come under a lot of, lot of stick because... You know, it features effectively the death of Bill, mm-hmm. um, a death of another black female character in a drama. And mm. I know that there's a lot of fans who struggle with that. Mm. And it's it's in the same breath, World Enough and Time and that. I was like, oh, but we're three years on now. We're going to stay mm. with the name. You have a brand, damn it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's our brand and we're using it. And yes, if we have to we defend are. it, we'll defend it whenever we're interviewed about the broad subject. Yeah. I mean, because it has a meaning. I think that makes mm. it okay for us. It yes. has quite a good meaning. Yeah. So what happened? Would you like to go into how you actually... Because pers- was your sister a particularly sort of strong Doctor Who fan? I mean, was it was it a big Yeah, part? when my parents divorced in 88, we mm-hmm. used to just sit and watch whatever Doctor Who we had at the time. So that was originally like one VHS or two, and then it grew um, for the next Any particular reason why Doctor Who as opposed to VHSs of other things? It was just, we had, I'd always been a fan, and she was at the age to just suddenly be turned on to it. And Mm. she, um, yeah, she loved it. Um, loved it as much as me and we could just watch it endlessly and we just escaped into it. It was escape from reality Mm. and it was something we both could get go in really deeply into in a way that was probably not actually all that healthy for those two years like you know i think we probably watched revenge of the cybermen probably about 40 times right yeah, <laughs> not more so you know there's some <laughs> so, some there so, some episodes we can't watch without a bit of a twitch yes <laughs> like, like big, the big brother asvengali figure you yeah, will yeah. become a fan. No, no, I didn't have to persuade her at all, but right. I do cringe at the fact that I used to have to. I used to sit her down and say, "What do you have to understand about this one?" Is that she's been with the doctor for some time, and Harry's here now as well. It's like, oh, for God's sake! Was this with your wise old head of of nine years old? Was it? Uh... No, I was older than that. This is. Oh, um, right. I was sixteen at this point. Oh, okay, right. No, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 proper proper irritating teenager. Yeah, and Alex you, was ten. You were you were yeah. Wesley Crusheringer. <laughs> Yes, totally, totally annoying turd of an older brother, but we we got on most of the time. Mm. So, she, so she doesn't she doesn't resent you for this at all. Now it's not like oh gosh, you've wasted my life. <laughs> no, I think we just both wanted the escape at that time. Mm. Um, 
And what used to happen once I went to university is that she'd come and stay and we'd watch more Doctor Who when she came to stay and she wouldn't want to leave. Would she borrow your Target books as well? Yeah, she did. And she has this habit of absolutely destroying Target books. Like, actually, (laughs) just absolutely just... If you give a... Never give a book to Alex. Because she just... It looks, like, indescribable when it returns. People say to us in our house that none of your books look like you've ever read them. I thought, yes, that's because we're careful with them. Yes, yeah. Yeah. But there are people you lend a book to and they say, oh, yeah, the the tent got flooded. Yes, this is Alex. (laughs) This is Alex with a book. Never give her a book, ever. They self-destruct in the hands, right? Okay. Yes. (laughs) um, So, anyway, flash forward, what, would it be 30 yeah. Issues. Yeah. 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 Oh, um, and obviously life has happened, and you're for whatever reasons oh, living on of, opposite sides of the planet. Yeah, lots of life has happened, and um, I send her a text. Do you want the actual original text exchange by the, the mirror? If you have it to hand, why not? Yeah, on WhatsApp. Um, Eight fifty on the. This is a historic document. Fifteenth of April, twenty eighteen. Do you want to do a Doctor Who podcast together, Alex? Hmm, sounds interesting. Andy, really? Three reasons. One, I want to do a podcast. Two, it's tech possible to do these internationally now. Three, it means we get to spend some time together regularly. Alex's response. Those are good reasons. I would enjoy the together time. I just need to deal with my unaddressed school drama fears. (laughs) (laughs) And I wrote, the what now? (laughs) And it carries on. So, um, yeah, that was the the genesis. It didn't take much persuasion or thought. Interesting, though. Because, I mean, the thing about podcasts is coming up with a format, isn't it? Yeah. It's actually trying trying to find a thing that works. So, say, yes, let's do a podcast. Then you think, "Mm, what we're going to do? We're going to talk for half an hour. We're going to talk for a week. (laughs) Somewhere between half an hour and a week, there's probably about the right length for a podcast. And. and you think, well, shall we try and see if we can talk about anything for more than five minutes without, you know, fizzling out like I just did? Or- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was deliberate. I thought that was you being professional fizzling out. <laughs> if only professional, good glory. Professional that'll, fizzling. <laughs> that'll be the day. No. So, uh, so you obviously did. You, you, you presumably then. Uh, uh, I mean, the technical side of it, you presumably would work out yourself. It's, it's very you actually to write a list, isn't it? That's the thing that strikes me about those emails. <laughs> A list of reasons to do. Yeah, it's very me, sadly. What's the list of reasons not to do one? Did yeah, you, that was never going to be aired. No. Right. Okay. But well, as you know, I suppressed the first two episodes. Yes, um, indeed. Uh, which one? Speared from space and horns of nine one. Because uh, because you want to do them again, funnier. Yes. Yes. Partly that, but also because we were using a dreadful piece of tech called Zencaster, mm. which right. kept cutting off our voices when the other one wasn't talking. Uh-huh. And also, um, we didn't have any clips or music we were playing in. But worst of all, I don't think Alex was watching the episodes before we recorded. So she was like, yeah, it was kind of good. And I'm like, no, we need to actually watch the thing. <laughs> you just need to before. see this. You... <laughs> Damn it, you will be forced to watch it. You will. <laughs> From half a, half a world away. Yeah. Um, so, have, have you ever got the impression that she's not actually watched it? But oh no! Oh God, no! She's very serious yeah. about watching it. Mm. It's just the issue always is for her that she ends up having to watch it on Daily Motion because she doesn't own mm. the DVDs. Right. So um, it's it's a bit of a struggle in terms of sound mm. quality and stuff sometimes. Right. Yeah. yeah, and of course, in the course of your complicated lives that are now cruelly sort of separated by 
circumstances. You actually have recorded together occasionally as well, haven't you? Yeah, lots actually. Yeah, at least a fifth of the episodes together because I get I'm lucky enough to get to usually travel and mm. and spend time there. My favourite mm. ever recording session with her was on the Stones of Blood, in which I broke a chair because I was laughing so much at the idea of dogging in the Stones of Blood. Right. <laughs> and Alex was sat opposite me, dressed as Barbara Wright from Keys of Marinus. Okay. So, <laughs> so those two things together. Yeah, it's the wrong awkward. episode. Did I, I didn't tell you we're not doing Keys this week. <laughs> and she went in to, to kiss his daughter's goodnight, and uh. she terrified them because she was dressed as Barbara. And they're like, "What have you done, Mummy?" <laughs> I'm your, I'm your grandmother. She was <laughs> come so, back to haunt you from the grave. It was so good. <laughs> no, that's hmm. fabulous. That's fabulous. I, I think I've seen some of those photographs, and they are incredibly, incredibly well done. <laughs> she's a serious Doctor Who fan. I think people think hmm. that she's not because because she often sends herself up and says, you know, yes. oh, I don't know as much as Andy, but she hmm. actually knows a lot more than she's letting on, and it's slightly hmm. a persona going on. Yes. And I do believe I, I'm. I, I don't think I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here. That you have actually recorded uh, recorded at least one on an exotic beach. <laughs> yes. So um, we we stayed at this. They're called batches in New Zealand, which is like a holiday cottage. Okay. Um, near the sea, gorgeous place, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we recorded our Reign of Terror podcast while sunbathing on the beach. We both like a good sunbathe. We're both really bad for that, and we had a bottle of. Was it? it could have been even a Prosecco. Um, it was the most decadent experience oh, of podcasting classy, ever. Classy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> on the beach in our swimming cozy. Beach, beach cozy. <laughs> Prosecco. Yeah. Rain of terror. Yeah, rain of terror, lad. I must admit, but, probably if you had the, that'd be one of those one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> exactly. I just love the fact that no one would ever have come across us thinking we were recording an episode <laughs> of Doctor Who uh, about a story from 1964. I think that's brilliant. Uh, and now, and now, and now you're stuck recording with me in soggy Manchester. But there I you know, go. It doesn't it does not compare, mate? I'm sorry. No. No, I, I I completely understand. I think I think I'd be absolutely with you if there, if there was a spare ticket and you needed a, a sidekick to carry your bags. I think I'd be going like a shot, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> well, that's Harriet. fabulous, and and obviously it's it's given you and your sister this this whole new lease of relationship life, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. I think we know each other better for because of it, and also realise we're madder than we thought we did. Oh, well, yeah. that, 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 beautiful things to find out, and of course, it, it's quite a crowded market, really. But uh, it, it it is quite a, a USP you've got there, isn't it? It's, uh... Yeah, I like the fact that that we have it. We're having her angles on it um, as a woman, as a woman. Ah, it's it's important, you know. Um, oh God, I, I'm yeah, a, absolutely. I'm a feminist, but it needs to come from someone else as well. You know, oh, we, like... we need we need more of it in uh, this show, to be honest. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of kind of you know a, a request to our listener. <laughs> To your listener, if you, yes. if you know anyone, <laughs> if the listener has met a person who might be interested, yeah. no. Martin needs women. Is that okay <laughs> as a slogan? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that's going to go down too well at home, but. <laughs> <laughs> no. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, would you recommend it? Podcasting as a, as a as a as a cathartic exercise as as a as a it's as been a good thing to do. It's been essential to me during lockdown, but mm. um, I think. It's important that you um, you don't take it too seriously, and yes. 
I don't do it necessarily for the listeners. I do it because I want to do it. Mm. Um, but then you kind of get competitive with yourself. So you start to improve the sound mm. quality. You start to improve the clips being played in yes. and you start to structure it a bit more. And then before you know it, you've got something mm. where you've got quite high standards as to how it is before it goes out. And So how, so how quickly did the format come together? I felt like the format was okay. I was going to start this piece by going, a little bird tells me <laughs> that you do a podcast. And I thought, it's a big bird, isn't it? <laughs> well, when's the episode going out, Martin, this one? Oh, it'll be, it'll be November. Right, so our last episode with with the Kaliak went out at the start of November, yes. Uh, so you've killed the Kaliak! The Kaliak's gone. Oh, flown away. Flown yeah, away. yeah. So we have so, a new segment called uh, Time Space Visualizer. Uh, oh, in so I'm just going to unfurl this scroll <laughs> <laughs> and throw it in the bin. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was just. I got bored of it. So keep keeping the format fresh and, and yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. We want something mm. new and mm. um, yeah, good, excellent. I, you know, I, I know that some people are nervous of of doing this sort of thing because they think fandom can be quite hard work sometimes have you is it has it been reasonably well received or have you had people giving you a hard time over it um i've no idea really because no. you, it's it's quite a lonely thing podcasting is that you don't get a lot of feedback but um That's right. I, I, you're the only person i ever talk to these days. <laughs> S- Sandy in the studio occasionally, and that's it now. <laughs> but um, the the listens are, are okay, and we do get occasional feedback when you think, "Oh God, you do know me because of this," and like you forget how much you you actually communicate during it, and you forget that people yeah. are actually listening. I do anyway. The, the so, dark secrets that you reveal yeah, as you're as you're exactly. muttering on about what John Pertwee's up to in in that high karate. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's funny what you end up end up sharing. But um, the the funnier thing is that my sister, uh, elder sister's now get, uh, got in in the act. And oh, like... You're having a three-way. <laughs> Pardon. <laughs> we need another third to the planet now. That is, is your sister on the moon by any chance? No, she's near St Albans, so that's close enough. It's pretty, pretty same thing, really. Yeah. It? yeah, yeah. But um, and we're discovering that she actually knows way more about Doctor Who than we thought. So um... from watching, did she watch it with you though, or was it just that I observing you two? I don't remember her watching it. She was up in a room with makeup. That's what uh, I... oh, <laughs> that's what I always remember. Being a girl. <laughs> Being a girl upstairs and not joining in with our silly games. Yeah, I've got girl's world to do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Browsing through a copy of Tammy and Misty, you know. Oh, oh yes, as, 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 as people will. Well, that's fabulous. So so you would absolutely recommend podcasting and uh, Doctor Who podcasting. And well, I think so. I've had a lot of fun from it. I just hope other people enjoy listening to us. But I don't much care if they don't because they don't have to listen. <laughs> Well, I, I think I think it's a highly recommended uh, podcast, really. So, uh, World Enough and Time, where can people find it? Um, we're, we're housed on SoundCloud, but you can also get us on iTunes and Spotify. In fact, I find Spotify the best place to listen to it from, because the oh, okay. sound quality is always the best. And it just works for me. So, there you go. There we go. So, there you go. World Enough and Time. Track it down. It's really worth a listen. Thank you very much for your time, Andy. No problem. Cheers. Bye. Take care. <laughs> Andy's podcast, World Enough and Time, which he co-hosts with his sister Alex, can be found in the usual podcast outlets. Now, let's go over to the Diddly Dumb podcast and talk to Hayden Gribble.
Hello, Hayden. How are you doing? Not too bad, Martin. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure. One of the things we're trying to do today is to talk to people about uh, their Doctor Who life because of the date tomorrow, as it were. Timey-wimey, I know. I keep saying that to people, so that'll get get cut, but never mind. And uh, I, I believe you're involved in a kind of unique slant on it with uh, with a, a particular podcast. Yes, yeah, for the last five years or so I've been, uh, I'd say working, it's not it's not work, it's an utter delight uh, to take part in the Diddly Dumb podcast, um, mm-hmm. twice monthly podcast going out and we uh, speak about all things Doctor Who, uh, it's myself and uh, the wonderful Doc Whom and the lovely Mark John. Uh, we've been going now for, I think it's just over 140 episodes, I think. Um, and I, I joined about a year in. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sort of the next generation of Diddly Dumb, as it were. And, uh, oh, right. And ever since so you, you weren't there at the start then? No, no, no. no you no, you I, elbowed your way through the door. <laughs> I, I, yes, I, I, I steamrolled my way through their garden and uh, knocked, knocked politely on the front door and they allowed me in. Were you wearing your air hostess uniform at the time, or? Was it- uh, well, yeah. I, I, I'm just trying to think. Was it air hostess or was it policewoman's uniform then? It's- ah, that was that was the era. Because <laughs> <laughs> a little bird tells me that your first experience was Paul McGann. Is that correct? Paul yeah. Well, actually, yeah. It might. That's my first vivid experience. I, I sort of remember bits of Doctor Who sort of coming mm. at me like little hints of, uh, like. Oh, come out! You know, come over, come over to this side. Come and watch this program. Mm. Um, you know, there, there were little clips that were tempting me. There was the, I think it was nineteen ninety two or nineteen ninety three. Mm. The BBC uh, had a, a run of repeats that they showed. Um, oh, the per- the Pertwees on Sunday morning. Or that, uh, oh no! I, I, the, oh. I, I think in my mind it was the evening and it was the demons oh okay and i remember john pertwee uh being accosted by morris dancers and thinking why is wurzel garbage being attacked by morris dancers <laughs> and being completely bemused by that um and this is the greatest thing ever <laughs> yeah. and then i remember dimensions in time uh sitting right. on the foot of my mum's bed with the 3d glasses on watching uh-huh. that which is it's amazing to think i ever became a fan after that experience <laughs> but there you go. no you you got the best first <laughs> get the best first it was all downhill from there <laughs> it's like starting off with the original series of star trek with spock's brain <laughs> and then going on to the city on the edge of forever or you know <laughs> Um, oh, Spock's but the brain. first, yeah, yeah, the first proper story that I saw was the TV movie in 1996, and mm. it was a bank holiday weekend where my family and I had gone from Essex, where we lived, uh, gone up to Warwickshire uh, to visit family, and I was in an old folks' home visiting my great grandmother, and mm-hmm. she had uh, the Radio Times uh, sort of out on the on the coffee table, like in the middle of, um, mm. in the uh, middle of the table, and in the middle of the magazine they had mm. uh, like a pull-out section called Doctor Who Return of the Time Lord and I remember right. looking at this and uh, seeing these these faces floating through space and they're mm. all entirely different and the first two were in black and white mm. which was a bit weird and I remember my dad sort of looking over my shoulder and saying oh Doctor Who and I said oh which yeah. one's Doctor Who and he said they all are and that oh. just sort of made my mind explode right. <laughs> And and even though I knew nothing about this show, by the end of the day, I probably knew that magazine inside out. Right. Uh, 
read it, reread it in the car back in the hotel, you know, and then watched that uh, bank holiday weekend mm. the uh, the TV movie. Um, Get him young. Yeah, and that was that was an experience. And then, what, what was it that absolutely sort of captivated you about it? Then, or or did it absolutely captivate you, or did you go, oh well, that's a, that's a, that's been on? No, no, it, it absolutely captivated me. But mm. I, I think the I think the program captivated me because of that concept of the lead actor being entirely yes. different, you know, the, the character being different with whichever actor comes in. And I know, you know, with older shows like Quatermass and, you know, even an awful lot of soaps, you know, they, 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 they change, mm. they will change uh, the actor or, or actress. Yes. Yeah. Ever since, but even, you know, like I said, with Quatermass before then, you know, it's just, you know, and that, um, but, but there was never but, any but continuity. Said slightly different, but yeah, I know what you mean. It was kind of a, it was sort of, I actually think people watched telly differently in the 50s. I think they actually didn't remember that stuff as much. Maybe we didn't talk about it as much or it just wasn't yeah. as bedded in. It's only actually when you had to explain it. I, I often wonder if it had been sort of five years earlier and Patrick Trapp had just walked through the door, everyone would have just pretended it never happened or something. Yeah, and then they've gone back to their beans and sausages, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, possibly, yeah, potentially, potentially. But yeah. I, I think it, it was it was that... That discover that journey of discovery. I wanted to go on mm. to to see what these other doctors were like, and I, I liked the TV movie. And funny enough, yeah. the things I liked then are the things I don't like now, and the things I didn't like then are the things I like now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, so, that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so um, so did you actually then start? I mean, did you just become an immediate obsessive and go out and get lots of tapes and DVDs or whatever, or or was it more subtle than that? No, I, I, I couldn't because I was only seven years old at the time. Mm. So unless I was looting the local WAC... <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, I forget I, how, I would pe- how had... young people are. Because, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I probably about the same age was when I was got bought my first Target book. Right. And people then bought them for me, if you see what I mean. Because yes, it, was, it, was, yes. it was a thing I was interested in. So I just wondered if it, that sort of happened. Well, yeah, I mean, with, with every Christmas and birthday and mm. bank holiday you know, Easter, what have you, I would mm. get a new VHS. And the first right. Doctor Who VHS I got was a couple of months after the TV movie and it was Snake Dance. Um, which is Snake actually, Dance? Yeah, the, the Peter Davison story, which mm. is a very unconventional first sort of cla- proper classic Doctor Who story to watch. Yes. But absolutely loved it. And I think got the Android Invasion that Christmas and then... right. I think for Easter in 97, I got the Green Death. And I think it was the Green Death that really cemented me as being a really massive Doctor Who fan, absolutely loving that story. Funny enough, I actually watched it again earlier today. And, you know, there's just bits where I found myself grinning at it. Yeah. Just thinking how wonderful that that story is the one the one with the maggots in layman turns to anyone uh, yeah it's, I, I was it's funny I was, I was talking about this with uh, somebody else the, the other week and it's just that scene with joe grant when it's crawling along the shaped my life i'm convinced of it mm. <laughs> it was the, it was one of those terrifying moments of my childhood you know the the, the one when she's when she's just sitting there and it's crawling along behind her. which yeah. is reading the book by the fireplace yeah yeah at the end of episode mm. three yeah 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 it's just one of those moments that that locked itself in my brain, you know. Very much like how John Pertwee being attacked by Morris dancers locked itself in my brain. <laughs> yes, but strangely out of time. Yes, because that was like twenty years after it happened. Or yeah, something. I mean, twenty-five I, years. I was, I was, well, I say I was the oldest child. Nothing's changed that uh, in recent mm. years. Um, I am the oldest child, and my parents 
uh, were big tele- television fans. You know, they, they mm. liked watching an awful lot of telly, and they had a lot of things mm. taped and bought a lot of stuff. And mm. with me being the oldest, if I I stayed up longer than my sister um, mm. at night time, so I got to see some things, and some things were repeated. Um, mm. And there are other things which I probably shouldn't have been watching at that age, mm. like Spitting Image, Bottom, Red Dwarf. You know? mm. um, no, but I was. The, the greats. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the classics of their time now. Um, but but I watched them, and my interest well, was peak with classic TV um, with the Jerry Anderson shows, which were right. repeated in the early 90s. Um, and there was a because that, that really caught a, a wave of enthusiasm, and everyone mm. loved Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet and Stingray at school, mm. and you know, and I and I think it was just after that, I, I think it just opened uh, my perception to to accept that you know older television, even though mm. special effects weren't as good, and maybe some of this stuff was in black and white, um, you know, I could accept it more than others because I, I I used to feel, especially back in the nineties, you don't get it as much as it, now, I don't think, but there was a feeling that black and white equated to rubbish. Oh, it, it was always mm. oh, old. You don't want to watch that. It's old. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, look at that. That's a bit of polystyrene. Oh, and all this. We don't mm. tend to do that as much anymore. We seem to sort of cherish our televisual heritage more now. Yes. When back then Quite they right were trying you. to colorize Laurel and Hardy films as if they were embarrassed mm. by the black and white. Do you know what I mean? It's all... Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, it's a Wonderful Life with the strange colorization is, 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 yeah. is a thing to... Well, a thing of well, I don't it's, know. What it's it a is, thing to puke to, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> it's actually a nicer way than I t- generally put it. <laughs> and it's it's interesting actually because that opens a whole debate about colorization generally, and they, it does seem to fall into two camps. I can understand why trying to get it to appeal to a new generation that might be what you have to do mm, but I yeah. like my Troughton and Hartnell in black and white personally yeah. absolutely and you, you've seen recently with the Blu-rays of the animations mm. of the missing stories you know they, they, mm. they've, they've got the colour cartoons and then an option to watch them in black and white as well and mm. I, I sometimes wonder whether that that's a, that's a way of sort of getting the kids on board with older Doctor Who you know mm. with, it, with it being a widescreen colour presentation mm. um but God, is it jarring when you're doing a marathon? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> how often do you do a marathon these days? Oh, uh, or is it just a cycle that you just go through all the time? About once every twenty-six point two miles. No, it's <laughs> it's. Oh um, uh, well, I, I started one off uh, at the start of lockdown. Um, right, I, I did it in a very weird order, very strange mm-hmm. order. Right. Uh, oh, random a random one. Fairly, it's more more fairly of the eras of the doctors, but. For some strange, bizarre, and unexplained reason, I decided to do Tom Baker's seasons backwards to start mm. off with. Se- well, actually, I start- even weirder, I started off with season seventeen, and then went back to season twelve, and then to season eighteen, mm. and went forward. And then I uh, have a similar relationship with Mash. Actually, I always start oh, Mash right. with season four. I always start with BJ arriving. I don't know, oh, okay. and Colonel Potter arriving, mm. and then cycle through to the end. Weep buckets at the uh, the end movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then go back and watch the the Henry Blake years. You know. Mm. So it's, in fact, I think the, the when I I did a, a video marathon of Doctor Who, I started with Tom Baker, worked my way to the end, and then went back to the beginning and worked my way back to Tom Baker. Mm. So, I don't know. I seem to start with the the fourth of everything. <laughs> it seems to be where I go. I don't know why. Is it the fourth season of Cheers when Woody Harrelson comes in as well? Because that's I a good starting point. <laughs> To that series, it's weird, well. isn't it? It's just it's like this the sort of second I don't know, second wind some series get, and mm. I just seem to 
I just seem to be drawn to it. You know, I suspect again it it comes down to when you started watching. Yeah. You know, because my my first experience of Mash was. Uh, a, a season six episode, I think, but the cast that I recognised mm. was that cast, so that's where I went back to to start off. Well, I I, I had no choice over Doctor Who mm. where I, where I could watch. If I'd have gone to my mm. parents and said, "Can I just get Tom Baker videos?" Um, mm. I I've got a sneaky suspicion they probably would have ignored me and just grabbed the one that was on the shelf. Mm. You know, I mean it, that 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 led to me having such a beauties as the invasion of time, which I hated mm. so much. It actually turned me off Doctor Who for a couple of years. <laughs> um, you know, and then occasionally you get a gem, um, you know, like the Green Death or the, or the Five Doctors or um, or the Troughton years, which I absolutely mm. adored that that VHS. Yes, that was... yes the, um, the, the first one I bought, because I genuinely thought it would be available for about a fortnight and then get pulled, was uh, Seeds of Death. The, the the omnibus oh, video yeah. because I just thought oh, well, that's that's going to be around for five minutes <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know I what fascinated me is when you mentioned Invasion of Time that, that I, just, I, you know, I, I put that on voluntarily a couple of years ago just because I, I sat there and I thought you know I can't remember a thing that happens in it mm. and I have I have shows like that where I literally that the, the I know it exists, and I've, I've got the synopsis, and I've got the novelization, everything like that. But I sit there and I actually try and think about it in my head. I think, yeah, I'm going to have to watch that because I can't remember it. You know? Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I've I've got through to um, I've moved on. So, like I said, I watched the Green Death earlier on today, but mm. I did Frontier in Space before that, and mm. well, Planet of the Dice, of course, as well. But Frontier in Space a little while ago, and I watched it, and I think I thought to myself, I. Have I actually seen this? I must have done because at <laughs> one point I was a regular contributor to Celestial Toy Room, the mm. uh, Doctor Who Appreciation Society mm-hmm. magazine, and I I did a, a running article in that magazine uh, going up to the fiftieth uh, of watching every mm. era. So I must have watched every story, but that mm. one I just I I for the life of me yeah. I couldn't quite remember what happened in it. Um, it was, you know, I remember the Ogron monster at the yeah. end, but I thought, well, I must have just seen that as a clip somewhere, you know. Mm. It's like you can sometimes remember highlights of all things from the clip shows, you know, or the documentaries. Mm. But but sometimes the end, I, mind you, I, you know, maybe it's an age thing, I don't know, but I sometimes we we watch a film that we saw in the cinema, and the first twenty minutes, I'm going, I don't remember any of this. Yeah. You know, I don't know how how the how the sort of brain remembers stuff sometimes. You know, because you think. I mean, I know fans generally are quite forensic about everything. Yeah, and I kind of feel that I, I feel like I've lost my 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 fan uh, badge really somewhere down the line because mm. you know I I can't remember the name of the character in the faceless ones or something like that, and it's just you know, and I think oh, if I if I was over a table in a pub somewhere, I'd be I'd be shunned. Shunned by the entire community. Well, I'm I'm terrible with names anyway, Jeffrey. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, you're, you're a child who who watches Doctor Who yeah. in an era when very few people probably were. I know, weird, isn't it? Did you? Um, <laughs> I mean, was it something that? I mean, I, I sometimes ask people, you know, did, did you play in the playground? But of course, I don't imagine it's that kind of. Nobody um, else would know what you were doing. Maybe. I tried to get friends in school, like my fellow classmates, on board with it. And I, I did mm. succeed with a couple of friends, actually. Um, yeah. But I played it more with my cousins and my sister. 
Yeah, my, mm. my sister had... I mean, I, I, I absolutely... As soon as I got that Trout Years video, I, I adored Patrick Troughton. Mm. Um, and as soon as I started picking up Target books uh, from secondhand bookshops, um, you know, it was, it was primarily, you know, the Cybermen, um, mm. the Web of Fear... The Ice Warriors, it, it just yes. oh, absolutely adored them. So we would play me being the second Doctor, my cousin being Jamie, and my sister being Zoe, on account that she was a girl and had a bob for a haircut. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, so so we would play it, and I and I, I did mm. construct my own Tardis uh, console mm. out of cardboard and you know like milk top bottles and all kinds of things and a- full size. Uh, well, I mean, full I mean, child size. Full I mean, child size, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crikey. Yeah. Now that's dedication. I mean, I'm okay. I mean, I, I know I spent a lot of time building cardboard tardises, but <laughs> it, it 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 wasn't very good, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, the imagination fills in a lot of gaps. I think that that's one of the th- beautiful things about the show, generally, actually, that mm-hmm. it gets you at a particular age, and the imagination fills in the rest. Yeah, absolutely. Really Absolutely. I mean, when I watched something like Terror of the Zygons for the first time, mm. I, I, again, absolutely fell in love with that story mm. um, to the point that I started writing my own sort of Doctor Who scripts with me being the Doctor, of course, mm. you know, because modesty, you know, modesty aside, it's like, who else mm. is going to play that role? Absolutely. Um, and, <laughs> and the Zygons had crashed in a pond uh, in, a, in a wood near my, you know, near where I, mm. I grew up and all this kind of thing. And you know, can you imagine the budget for that thing on a, you know, a pocket money? Well, I've had to have given up the Beano for a year just to, just to finance that. Well, thing. maybe maybe every other week, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You're going for compatible budget. But now, but now, I mean, as as an adult, of course, you've got all the mm. character options, toys, and I mm. I would have killed for that at oh, the age yeah. of eight. That would absolutely, yeah. you know. I'm actually I'm 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 looking at some of them now. They're staring mm. back at me mockingly, saying, "You're 31 mm. now, Hayden. You can't play with us." Mm. Without but when, when I, I, I think weird. for my four, maybe this, I was a 41 year old person when someone bought me a, a, a foot tall black Dalek. Oh wow! <laughs> that, that's and, it, and you know I sit there and I'm looking at it now actually, and I think, yeah, I was probably too old for it, but you know what? It's bloody gorgeous. <laughs> well, here's my plan. We've currently got a uh, got a child on the way, um, mm-hmm. and when he's older, uh, I plan to absolutely brainwash him with this thing. Indoctrinate. Exactly. Yes. yes, and a good play on words there, my friend. Excellent. Oh, I try. Um, and yeah, and I, I, they'll be his then, just as long mm. as he promises just to look at them through the glass. <laughs> never to play with them. It's all good. And never. All those little do not, please do not touch signs. Yeah. <laughs> I'll turn, in, turn right. into that guy in Toy Story 2. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for that, Hayden. There's a great deal more of that interview, which will be coming in the next few weeks, as indeed there is of our following guest. He needs little introduction in fan circles, but it's the actor, comedian, presenter, all-round polymath. Well, it's Toby Haydock, who was kind enough to talk to me towards the end of October. Hello, Toby. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. So um, you're joining us sort of, kind of, on Vision on Sound today. And uh, I was just going to really talk to you because we're, we're doing a bit of a Doctor Who special 
because of the date tomorrow. Yes, yes. Um, well, it will be tomorrow. Happy who day? Timey wimey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may call. I may call you uh, Toby Maintai. <laughs> uh, you you certainly may. And yes, so it's uh, it's Doctor Who day. It comes round again uh, every or, or day after John F. Kennedy Day, as it's known to everybody else. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so um, I was really just wondering. Um, I'm assuming you were a fan long before it became something you started to actually build a career around to a certain extent. Yes, well, I, I mean, I still uh, I think of it as a hobby that's gone out of hand. I mean, I don't I, I don't think of it as my career. I, the, the idea of being a professional fan appalls me. Yes. Um, <laughs> I just happen to be able to talk and walk in a straight line at the same time, and occasionally mm. people are required to do that about Doctor Who. No, and I and it had been very much a solo pleasure. I I, I lived in the the countryside in the middle of nowhere, so it was my mm. it was my sort of refuge of the imagination. I wasn't mm. really part of well, I wasn't part of all fandom there was a local no. group i i hung around with for a bit in my teens but that was that was miles away and it was only for for about 18 months or so but it was no it was i was i was the youngest of four kids uh, 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 my, my elder brothers and sisters were quite good at getting muddy and going out and building bivouacs and i mm. hunched inside with with the books a, a lot of the books that because <laughs> they were older they'd they'd got the target books and all that sort of thing so a mm. lot of it was inherited but i i sort of mainlined it in a way where they'd they'd been much more more casual um and so yeah when i did my one-man show many years later i saw somebody online saying oh you know some comedians jumped on the doctor who bandwagon because nobody mm. knew nobody had heard of me and uh in in the sort of doctor who world even though i was jobbing along as a comic and and, and doing quite well in, in in manchester i'd got a mm. regular gig that i was doing but but i don't think anyone associated me with doctor who um, which was fair enough, and and so I th- I think there was a bit of well, who's this guy? And, and, <laughs> How and, dare and, he? And, and and you know we've all met people who say I'm a massive fan of Doctor mm. Who, and you say oh yeah, what do you, what do you think of uh, Christopher Barry's direction of Creature from the Pit compared to what he did with the '60s stuff? And they go, I like the one where it's just all of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember the one with the maggots. <laughs> Well, I was, um, you you do have a comprehensive and encyclopedic knowledge of the program. I mean, I, I was noticing this morning you were, you were marking the passing of Malcolm Terris, and I'm th- I'm thinking he did two. <laughs> yeah, the Dominators and the Horns of Nymon. Yeah. and it's just it's just there, isn't it? It's astonishing. I've just been writing a bit about this because I'm 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 sort of starting to do some podcasts, which were a mixture of sort of whimsical essays, but also nostalgic childhood recollections. Because I think part of mm. the thing with Doctor Who is that it's not just what the program is; it's where it comes in our lives, what it represents. So for mm. me, it's very much child up t- tied up with childhood memories, and and also sort of mm. sad childhood memories. My dad left when I was four. I was quite lonely, as I say. I had mm. sort of more active brothers and sisters. I, I felt like I was on a little mm. peninsula and, and you know, the library on this peninsula was full of Doctor Who books. Uh, and you, is that is that what sort of brought you in into the actual programme, generally being interested in the programme? Was it something you watched at home generally and you just were became sort of more obsessed with yeah, it? Yeah, well, it or? was... Uh, no, it was very much... Uh, I... I, I uh, my my earliest memory is of a repeat of The Invisible Enemy Part 1, but my sort of most consistent right. memories come with Season 17. So it was a time when everybody knew and watched Doctor Who. So I yes. I watched it simply because it was watched by the family, particularly elder brothers and sisters. And as I say, they'd they'd got a few Target books as well, so they went the, mm. the, the slightly the ex, extra mile. But we were, we were in a house of books anyway. Mm. But where perhaps my brothers and sisters, sister moved on to other things... Uh, 
I uh, I kept going back to those shelves with those with those two two dozen books on and and changing you know rearranging the order of them before I was old enough. Oh, to read I them completely and... understand. <laughs> so it's interesting. I I've never quite worked out where it started with me, but I know that somebody bought me Doctor Who and an exciting adventure with the Daleks oh, in yeah. 1973, and I suspect it changed my life yeah. in ways they possibly would never have predicted. Yes, <laughs> it's it's amazing what what you know it, it sort of chimes with you and you either stick with it or not and, and i know fans who sort of say oh and then you know i i i you know i stopped watching during the colin baker era or or insert whichever mm. era here uh, that's not a a bar but colin baker and and then came back to it many years later you know mm. and i was like no no i i mm. i stayed through thick and thin uh, mm. and even when it was off the air i you know i would scour the shelves and the airwaves for anything that would suggest oh, yes. that doctor who was coming back or any i mean it was a great time for doctor who in many ways because the the archaeology and that was part of it for me as well was the mm. discovering the things that i didn't know and it was not like um uh, today where if you want to know about the myth makers you can just type something mm. into into google and there's you know a, Pop, a fair yeah, few pictures an entire cast list a synopsis i mean i don't think i even experienced the myth makers properly till this the audio soundtrack was released by the bbc in the early 2000s and i i consider myself yes. pretty hardcore um so you know you <laughs> yes i mean it's funny because i i do i find the same thing the audio cds that came out or when they were tapes even yeah you know things like the, the tomb of the cyberman tapes before the video yeah i remember those yeah the narrated the ones yeah and to me, that was to me. I always thought that was probably the only way I would ever see any of these shows. You know, it was kind of like for me when um, when Five Faces came on, it was a miracle. Yeah, yeah. It was an absolute miracle that I could see Unearthly Child, and that you know, and people sometimes are a bit funny about Unearthly Child generally, but I just think it's wonderful because, and the Crotons for the same reason, because they were the first chance I actually got to see these actual i thought i'd never see them i genuinely thought i'd never see them but yeah that, that and it, it was and, and you'd you'd sort of you'd stick the telly on just on the off chance they might show a repeat i mean it was that desperate um but i and i hate to be oh you know you don't know you were born and it never did any harm. <laughs> but actually that absence that that need to piece it together that that joy in that mm. archaeology that excitement when just opening a, a idly opening a some random sci-fi mag in a news agent would give you the cast list mm. of revenge of the cybermen uh, and suddenly that True. was another piece of the jigsaw it's like a, you know you've got a, a a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and all your life to complete it you know and yeah. that's essentially and there's still stuff now i mean i've i've I, i've been spending the past couple of months trying to find the uh, Coal Hill school children extras from the pilot episode <laughs> in Unearthly Child. Now, I, I'd never have. You've spoken to everybody. <laughs> but, you know, th- th- 30 years ago, just getting the cast list for the people that speak in the- those first four episodes would have been pretty exciting. But now, you know, you, there's there's always going to be. There will always be an actor we haven't found or, or somebody we haven't got a picture of. You know, there will always be. Like with the the space pirates, we don't have a picture of Domisigri um, because there are no uh, yet. Uh, uh, yet it is. So the episodes could turn up. Telesnaps. I, I think John Cura, the Telesnap man, had died by then. So I, I think they're mm. unlikely. Somebody may have taken a photo, and he was a famous actor, Esmond Knight. So, but they, I think everyone had got bored by the time he arrived in episode four. <laughs> so, did they ever do makeup test pictures? Do you know. Well, you, who know? You know, who knows? Absolutely. Uh, so, it, so the archaeology is is as much mm. of a part of it for. me me as 
knowing what happens in the story. Some people are just about mm. the fiction. I'm less interested in tying up the history of the planet Lobos with the history of the mm. of, of the Earth Galactic Empire. The the fiction mm. within the fiction doesn't doesn't grab me, and I admire those people that have done those sprawling tomes to try and rationalise the Doctor Who universe yes. together. But I don't really care about about that. I, I'm 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 happy for relatively new rules to establish themselves <laughs> just to tell the story of the week. But if that extra is the dad of somebody who was the vision mixer from that story's cousin, <laughs> that's oh that's that's you're having them. That's the stuff for me. <laughs> Brilliant. Were you quite open about your Doctor Who fandom as a as a as a as a young person yeah I think I was and I think it was kindly indulged in some parts we didn't have much money mm. and and I think occasionally a mum of a, of a kid who was slightly better off might you know might turn up with a Doctor Who magazine they'd seen mm. because they were buying their son a magazine and thought oh there's a Doctor mm. Who magazine to, Jan, Jan's Toby likes Doctor Who doesn't he so mm. with, it was sort of and, and I have to say I was the, the youngest of four and always felt that you know you as the mm. as the youngest you you do have to suck up a lot and, and, and you don't take priority but toby watching doctor who was was pretty much how it was you know the, I, I think yes. it was it was understood that that was my my thing and that i would i was to get to do that hmm. uh, and and so yeah i was i was pretty out and at, and at school and and even as it even as it got less popular um mm. you know even if it was my mates at school coming and go well it was rubbish last night it was bertie bassett or mm. whatever <laughs> mm. um and i'd be going oh. see, see that fascinates me because obviously i was i would have been in a sort of teenager about that time uh late 70s well i you know and it had just been past the that really popular peak mm. in the 70s late 70s uh, and i just remember it suddenly becoming slightly uncool at school you know yeah and suddenly you didn't talk about it because, you know, there were people a lot bigger than me <laughs> who wanted to talk about football, you know, and, and what have you. Uh, so I, I carried on buying the books, but I would sort of sneak into Smith's and sort of, you know, I got a lot of other books because it was kind of hidden underneath, if you see what I mean. You know. and I think I did that with the videos as well. Well, I, th I think I went the other way. I think I, I, right. I embraced it. Uh, and and you see that happening a lot now. I, I'd say it was it was I'd say it's sort of people are almost too gleeful to to try mm. to be different now and to, mm. to be accommodated for their own particular um, uh, sp specialities or whatever. Um, mm. But I I was the the kid who did drama as well and, and wrote mm. things and so so the football there was no point me trying to join in with the football kids and and I realised yeah. you could get a laugh on sports day. Uh, not by being bad, but by being spectacularly bad. So instead of coming <laughs> coming last, I came really, really last, and I collapsed at the finish line. You know, so it's that old cliche of of deflecting the embarrassment by by sort yeah. of. You know, going going further to to comic effect. Mm. So there's that old cliche is there, and I think I did it with the doctor as well. And I, I actually think I remember somebody in my I did sociology A level. There was a group of lads who mm. weren't, you know, who weren't flowery like I was, but we all sort of got mm. on and rubbed along, uh, and and they were quite sporty. And I remember one seeing me in Woolworths. And uh, he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, there's a there's a missing Doctor Who story coming out today on video, and it was Tomb of the Cybermen." And and they said, "Oh no, we haven't got it." I said, "Yes, you have. Look, it's in your basket of new stuff on the floor back there." Because I could see they were stacking stuff. Uh, and and he gave me a look that was a kind of "You are uh, an absolute lunatic," but a kind of, but a, but also, but it wasn't. He wasn't being mean. He was kind of going, "But that's you, and you're all right, and that's all." You know, it was a kind of that's actually. Mm. 
quite fun mate and good you know good for you good for you doing your your thing um mm. and i remember quite like graham bless him i hope he's well he was a nice nice fella but we had nothing in common mm. at all um uh, but i can remember clearly dashing into manchester on the morning of my grandmother's funeral because it was the day that city of death and planet of the spiders came uh, out on video and i thought I've, I've just got an hour if i can get into manchester yeah oh my god I- and you think you i think uh, maybe, maybe things were a little bit skewed there <laughs> But again, it, relatively recently, I remember this is back. This is in the Russell T. Davis era. I would mm. go into town, into Forbidden Planet, on the off chance that Doctor Who magazine was out a couple of days early. You know what I mean? Because sometimes it was out on I do. out I on do. the Thursday, but it would sometimes be in in the shops mm. on the Tuesday. I get it delivered now. Um, mm. But 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 again, there was something about the actually having to go and get it that mm. I kind of embraced. Make life hard yeah. for yourself, and the rewards are greater. Yeah. It's a it's a very it's 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 a very old fashioned attitude. That <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name of the comic shop in University Precinct, and because I that's the only parking ticket I ever got in my life <laughs> <laughs> was dashing in for a Doctor Who magazine on the way home from work. Oh well, yeah, it's a, it's a small price to pay. I thought so in in the great scheme of things, yeah. Because it does, it does buy into that collector mentality. I mean, we the target books were completed, and I thought, oh, at last I have them all. Oh, videos are coming out. Oh, at last I have them all. Oh, DVDs are coming out. I bought DVDs before I even had a player. You know, I think a lot of people did that. And, oh, another format. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, indeed. Uh, in fact, we I got a DVD player because Doctor Who had started coming out on DVD. It was a it was a Christmas present. Um, but you know that. Well, I bought uh, Caves and Rosani because I thought that'll be a good one, and, and to see what it's like, you know. Yeah. Just to see, just to see whether they look any better than on video. Yeah. And that was it. I was, I was, I was caught in the net. <laughs> of course, I can't criticise because you actually do a lot of extras for these things, and they are wonderful, you know. Well, no, but I'm, I'm caught in the, in the net as well. I've got the DVDs, and I can't throw the DVDs away. So I've got the, but now I'm, no. I'm collecting the, the, the Blu-rays. I mean, I, it was, I, I, it took me a long time to even consider getting rid of the VHSs, but. Um, I, mm. I did in the end, but the idea of throwing away anything to do with Doctor Who seemed to me to be uh, blasphemy. You know, it does um, feel, yeah, especially when so much of it. I, mean, I, I felt uh, people twitching across the land during the um, the Play for Today documentary. It was on a couple of weeks ago. That moment when they wiped a tape. There's a film of an engineer wiping a tape. I don't know if you saw that at all. I have got a copy of the Play for Today, but I haven't had the pleasure of watching it yet. No, it's just this moment. I could feel people across the country who who who'd been Doctor Who fans going. Oh, was it yeah. glory from the deep? <laughs> but that said, and it goes back to partially what we've been talking about, I remember discovering that there were missing episodes of Doctor oh, Who yeah. and, and being terribly upset. But of course, actually, I don't know why I was upset, because at the time, even if they'd all existed, they were never repeated or there was no, there no. Was no home video market. But it was it was feeling that loss. But I, I also think... There is something about the fact that some of Doctor Who is unreachable and we have to Mm. imagine it or we have to dig out photographs or we have to um, interview the people that made it in order to picture what uh, it's like. Uh, I was Mm. uh, one of the other podcasts I'm doing is commentaries on episodes and I'm asking friends to choose their favorite bits. And Simon Mm. Guerrier very brilliantly chose with Evil of the Daleks episode four. He said, what I like about this episode is there's a fight scene in the first five minutes and the camera script doesn't really say what's going on. (laughs) The telesnaps don't say what's going on so for this five minutes we don't 
yeah. actually have a clue what's going on. So if it turns up, you know, the, um, yeah. the amount of new things that we will have. Uh, when Underwater Menace 2 turned up, mm. the amount of little bits that Patrick Troughton did that, that weren't anywhere oh. in the script or the audio yeah. performance. So so one, there's the, there's the fact that when they do turn up, they're full of really exciting things. But then there's also there's the possibility that they might turn up or the possibility that they might not. They are all things that fire our emotions yeah. and play upon our feelings and is, and is and is all part of that sort of innocent childhood joy that mm. we still kind of carry through to adulthood. Those sections of the audios when you listen to them and you think they don't know what's happening here do they? Yeah. It's just like a, a scuff <laughs> yeah. and a bump and a yeah. it's like the war machines you know until we saw it. It's like, oh that's what's happening. <laughs> yes he's, he's gone through some more boxes. Yeah but Enemy of the World was a revelation wasn't it that opening episode just Yes, I think it blew everybody away because I don't. It had such a dodgy reputation from yes. just the one episode, and then suddenly it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I have to say, I had always rather liked Enemy of the World, so I, mm. I, I feel like a bit of an I told you so um, mm. uh, with with that one. But then again, I also know I am prone to sort of like the underdog because that's how I identify, and that goes back <laughs> to that school stuff that we were doing. So part of me might sort of go, I've got to be the one that likes the one that everybody else doesn't mm. like because that proves I don't run with the crowd, which in its is in its own way a way of running with a different sort of crowd. So it's the psychology of these things. <laughs> Yeah. You're not by any chance an England cricket follower, are you? I, I am. <laughs> yeah, I think the two might be related. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of thinking we might sort of pause that there, yeah, and then maybe come back and 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 sort of talk about other things, or carry on and talk about other things, and maybe use that as another element in another thing. Yeah, sure. Excellent. Can, can, for the Doctor Who one, can I just do a quick plug for my of podcast? Because there's one. Are you putting one out on the twenty second of? I'm November? going to try. Can I? Can I just do a little mm. bit? There? Can I just do a uh, where I go? Um, and on the twenty third of November, which is tomorrow, I think, as as this goes out, uh, I am releasing a series of podcasts. I'm in lockdown. I'm not allowed out. All the comedy clubs have closed. What can I do? I can talk about Doctor Who in my voiceover booth that I've built out of my Doctor Who DVD shelves. <laughs> um, t- t- turned backwards to the wall. So I'm doing a-, a commentary where I've got friends to choose a story and I've got to try and guess what they love about it because I, I see so much on the internet where people who love Doctor Who just moan about how <laughs> terrible they think it is. So this is me being being positive and i also think there's not enough positivity in as as we approach civil war (laughs) and the world's going mad around us i think just being nice about doctor who might just help some people out there Um, i'm also doing one that's a series of sort of whimsical essays based on some sort of arcane element of doctor Mm -hmm. who so i've got like um a history of carrots in doctor who but i've also done a little bit of an investigation into the war service of various doctor who actors and what they got up to uh during their military careers and some of it's just sort of childhood memories that i think will chime with people and i'm also doing one that is a blow by blow episode by episode account of the making of every single sort of day of doctor who and i take it an episode of a time and that's why that's why i was looking for the coal hill school kids and you know the bloke mm-hmm. who's the shadow cast at the end of episode one <laughs> so i've i've done a lot of doctor who content that's going out there and it's and it's premiering on the 23rd of november so i hope some of that is of interest to your listeners well, i hope so if, I if we have any them, if i haven't bored them already <laughs> Well, we hope so. We look forward to that. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Toby. Thank you for having me. And with that, unfortunately, we're out of time for this week. 
There's loads more of those interviews to come. Hopefully you'll be back to listen to those fairly soon. Thanks very much to Toby. Thanks very much to Hayden. Thanks very much to Andy. And goodbye. Take care. You have been listening to Vision on Sound on Fab Radio International. You can contact the programme via email on vos at fabradiointernational.com or you can follow us on Twitter at visiononsound1 or there is a blog at visiononsound.blogspot.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.